Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So Romans chapter 12. Romans is such an interesting book. Like if you are stranded on an island and you only have one, well, you'll have the whole Bible, but the Bible's, you know, made up of many different books. I would probably have to pick Romans as my stranded island book, right? Because it has everything in there. Romans is so rich. And Paul wrote this letter while probably he was in Corinth, his third missionary journey, and he was on the layover. He's, he never visited the Church of Rome yet. So he's writing this letter because believers have gone to Rome, and now a church has grown. And when, we, when I talk about church, I don't mean like a church building. I'm, I'm talking about people. I'm talking about people that have gathered together who have one common goal, and that is Jesus. Right? They came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They are saved, and now this church, who knows where it's at? Maybe it's in a house church. Maybe they met somewhere. Uh, maybe it's outside. We do not know, but, you know, sometimes being in the Western world, we think about church and we all think about building buildings. But there's churches throughout this world who don't meet, who don't have the opportunity to meet like we do. So we thank God for that. So Paul is writing this, writing this letter, encouraging them. And these are like, think of the church in Rome. These are Gentile believers. And of course, Jewish believers coming together. And the Jewish believers have the Jewish mindset of the laws, of, of the rituals, of the sacrifice. They're coming from that system. And then Paul, and then the Christianity comes in and says, you know what? Jesus settled all that. Jesus came. He died on the cross. And it is by faith that we come to the saving knowledge, that we come to salvation. It is by faith that we are saved. It's nothing other than by faith. Do you believe what Jesus has done? Sometimes we try to complicate things. Oh, it's by, you know, going to church. Going to church is good, right? If you're a believer, God's going to put, you're led by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to come to church. He's going to lead you in the things of God. He's going to lead you in in uh, your quiet times. He's going to lead you in your Bible studies. He's going to lead you. He's leading you to grow you. So Paul's writing this letter, and this church is mixed. And mainly, from what I read with all the commentary, mainly they're uh, Gentile believers. And these guys, we got to look at the background. These guys are growing up, you know, with uh, idols and many different gods. And, you know, you have the the God of the Greeks, then you have all this, all these different gods that, that these people are raised up in. But then a new thing comes their way, which is Jesus. And now Paul is writing this. And I think this is why Romans is so rich. It's so detailed of how salvation comes. You know, in Romans one, it talks about. Okay, here it is. In Romans one, in Romans 1, 16, it talks about, Paul's writing, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power 
of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So he's telling them the power, the gospel is the power. The power is Jesus Christ. In simplest terms, that's what salvation is. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's not Jesus plus your works. It's not Jesus plus you serving in children's ministry. It's not Jesus plus you playing worship, singing worship. It's not Jesus plus anything else. It's Jesus. That's it. Do you believe in this gospel? Do you believe it? And that's what Paul is writing, and he's detailing this, because there's some other Jewish believers who are coming in, and they're telling him, it's Jesus, but we have the special way into salvation. It's Jesus plus we've got to keep these laws. It's Jesus plus you've got to be circumcised. It's Jesus plus you've got to do all these things in order to be saved, in order to enter into heaven's into God's kingdom. And Paul is writing and he's refuting all these things. And he says, and he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power. And that's what we believers have to understand that when we come to faith, God saved you. You did not save yourself. We did not. The Bible talks about in Romans chapter two and three. He's, he talks about no one goes and looks for God. Okay. When I hear testimonies and I hear because I, I was in the same boat. Oh, I went and found God. I didn't find God. God came and found me. And I could look back at my past, how he orchestrated from when I was young, going to church, you know, being a good boy, being a good uh, Sunday school boy, going to church and doing all these things. I could see that God was orchestrating all those things. And I got into my teenage years. I fell away. And then I heard the gospel, didn't really understand it, but God was orchestrating and how we got married. And then God brought a Jehovah Witness into our lives, and I started studying the Bible with them. My, my soul was like thirsty for something that was lost, and it was Jesus. I did not go looking for God. God pursued me. 30 years he pursued me. I could have died and went to hell and be separated from him forever. And that's where a lot of people are going day and age. You know, I can think about just our past week, what this world has gone through, right? How young Marines, under 25 years old, 20 years old, 21 years old, their whole life ahead of them, how they had all this planned out. If you're young, if you're under 25, listen, it's okay. It's good for you to plan It's better for you to be in the plans of God. It's good for you to plan, but it's better for you to be in the plans of God. And what does that mean? You pursue God in your life. You have goals. It's good, but you pursue God daily. And that's what we're going to cover mainly. So Paul is telling them, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Nobody goes and looks for God. God comes and pursues us. And then he talks about the law. Before the law came, how were how did people know right from wrong? God put it in their consciousness to know right from wrong. The law came to show us, to lead us, to convict us that we can't be saved by our own merit. And Paul covers that. 
And in Romans chapter 6, and I'm, and I'm going through my Bible here, and I'm just looking back, and I highlight, and I have like little notes, and I'm just looking at it, and I'm, and I'm realizing how rich God's Word is. 20 plus years walking with Him. And I'm just looking at my Bible like, man, I remember that time when I wrote that note, I was going through this thing. I remember this time when I highlighted this verse, I was going through this thing. God, I needed encouragement, and he allowed me to read this scripture right here, and I highlighted it. God is so good. And in Romans chapter 6, he says, we all need a Savior. We're dead in our sins and trespasses. Every single person, no matter how good you are, you need Jesus. You cannot come to the Father through any other way, Jesus says. We all need Jesus. Billy Graham needed Jesus. Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel, needed Jesus. The Pope needs Jesus. Catholics need Jesus. Jehovah's Witness need Jesus. Mormons need Jesus. When I say Jesus, I mean the Jesus of the Bible. Not Jesus plus whatever you want to put in there with We all need Jesus. Lubbock needs Jesus. Lubbock is so lost. We have churches. When we first moved here, we were driving on 34th Street. I never noticed it before, you know, when we came to visit. That this city has so many churches. And then we moved here, we were driving at 34th Street. Calvary Chapel was on 34th Street in Quaker. Very small storefront. We're driving there, and all of a sudden, God opened my eyes. He goes, look at that church. Look at that church. Look at that church. Every single church needs Jesus. We all need Jesus. Without Jesus, we wouldn't be here this morning. And so Paul expounds that we are all dead to sin, and we need a Savior. And he's telling these Jewish believers who are coming in and trying to distort the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. He's telling them, you know, all your laws, all your rule keeping, every tradition that you're going through, it's me. I fulfilled all those. You guys are looking at the wrong things. You guys are not. You guys looked at the scripture, but you missed it. All the Old Testament proclaimed and wrote about me and I am here now. So they missed that. And then Paul writes in Romans chapter 7 that we are free from the law if you, you know, gave your life to Christ. That sin's power is no longer dominant in you. Do you believe that this morning? There are struggles that we deal with, believers. Habitual sins that God can overcome. Do you believe that? I can see back in my life, there are, there were habitual sin that I would do over and over again. I'm not going to confess it up here. God knows. He's forgiven me. Praise God. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking to your heart. Are there sins in our lives where we commit over and over and over again? Habitually. You know it's a sin, but you choose to do it. And God is telling us this morning, get serious with me, confess those things, come to me, bring your sins, the ones you cannot overcome, and I will give you the power to overcome that. And Paul's writing that in Romans chapter 7, and then he gets into Romans chapter 8. 
Oh, Romans chapter 8 is so rich. If you just have one chapter to memorize, Romans chapter 8 is it. Is it. And then Paul starts off in Romans chapter 8. He says, therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. According to the Spirit. When we are saved, we are spirit-filled living beings. You are alive in Christ. And when life gets tough and you have pity parties upon yourself, you are alive in Christ. Christ can overcome anything that you deal with. The sin that we struggle with, he can overcome that. The marriage that you're struggling in, he can overcome that. Your finances, he can overcome that. And I'm not talking about, God, please, I'm in debt right now. Give me a, a thousand dollars, you know, a million dollars. It'll solve all my problems. No, it won't. It'll make it worse. If you can't take care of your financial problems right now, what makes you think God blesses you with a million dollars to take care of that? You're, you'll be able to do that. You're not even responsible to take care of what God has given you today. If you struggle with that, confess it to God, God. I need help in this area. My finances are all messed up. And I'm talking from experience, guys. I'm talking about struggling paycheck to paycheck when you don't have a paycheck and it's already spent. The paycheck is already gone. I'm talking about that. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking with you. My finances were messed up until I aligned myself with God's word and got his wisdom and say, God, I really want to get out of debt. I really want to not live paycheck, paycheck, but I really want peace. That's the bottom line. I don't care if I made $300 a week, $3,000 a week. I just want peace, God, because money is not it. And sometimes we ask people, we ask believers, especially here in the United States, we chase the almighty dollar that has become our idol. I'm with you on this. God tells us to be faithful in where you're at. In my job, I'm in management, and it's like I'm responsible for so many things. There's a quota that needs to be met. And I'm talking from experience just this past month. We're at the end of the month. There's a quota I need to hit every single month. And it's like, and then I see some, you know, I see our other store doing well. And there's no believers there. And I'm like, God. These guys are heathens at the, uh, this other store, and they are being blessed. You know, you have doubts. Sometimes those fiery doubts sneak in, and you're like, what am I doing? Is there something doing? What's going on in my life? Is there, something I'm, is there a sin that I'm in that I'm not getting blessed? No. Every single time, guys, I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this. I experience it every single month. God meets me where I'm at. And that's not so much to meet the quota, to meet the numbers, or to make myself look good. It's like, are you faithful? Are you faithful? God is faithful all the single time. And Romans 8 is so rich. God tells us there's no condemnation. And sometimes we as believers, we put ourselves in ultimate condemnation, right? We condemn ourselves for things that we, God has already forgiven us for, and yet we just, it's like, 
It's like having somebody on your back all the time and you're just trying to live life. When God tells us, you know what, take that thing off your back, you just, you're not free. Romans 8 is so rich, and I love it. And then in Romans 8.18, it says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So during this time, the church was being persecuted. When I talk about persecution, it's like, you confess you're a Christian? Oh, yeah, we're going to kill you. It's not like you're persecuted. Oh, you're a Christian, and somebody says some harsh words at you. It's not that type of persecution. You confess yourself to be a believer, more than likely, you're probably going to die. And Paul's telling them, and look at this, and he says, well, what is the greatest enemy of all people? It's death, right? In, in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, it says, after God gives them all this, he says, what then, what then shall we say to these things, the good things that he's already explained? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, Jesus, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What shall bring a charge against us, God's elect? If God is, it is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Who shall, and then in 835, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. 37 says, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Jesus who loved us. In 38, for I am persuaded, Paul says, that neither death nor life, and then he goes into the supernatural, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate you, church, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I'm done. We we could just end it there in prayer and be done with it, right? But no, Paul goes on. And then he talks to, and then he writes about, you know, then the church, the, the Gentile believers were like, oh, we're the new Israel. And then he goes on in uh, chapters 10 and 11 and said, God's not done with Israel. God has a plan. When he says something, it's going to come to pass. And he says he's going to save Israel, regardless of their hard-headedness, their sin, He says, I'm not done with Israel. And we're going through the book of Revelation on our Wednesday study, and you could, it talks all about that, how he's going to redeem the people of Israel. And we praise God for that. And then we come to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read our scriptures that we're going to cover. Romans 12, 9 through 20. One, and then we'll go back and uh, break it down. Romans 12, 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. 
Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. It is possible, if it is possible, as much as depends on you. Live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. With good. So Paul writes them, writes to the Roman church, and he's giving them all this rich doctrine, all this knowledge and wisdom. And now we get down to the practical daily living, how we should look like as believers, right? And the very first one in in, uh, verse 9 says, let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be genuine. Let love be real love, not fake love. It's amazing that we as people, we, we know, you know, we can uh, sense that when somebody loves you, it's not really for you, it's for your whatever, to have a friend, to have a, it's for nothing else but to get something out of the relationship, right? So right away, Paul is telling us that we as believers should love with a genuine love. Because we see it in the world today. The world loves, but it's a selfish type of love. And we see that if you're on social media, uh, InstaFace, uh, InstaChat, whatever it is, Facebook, <laughs> you see it all. I got that from Bill, Pel- Bill Pelagic a long time ago. Um, we see it all the time. The world's love is so fake. It's fake. It's like fake love. Hey, love me because, and it's crazy, you know, people posts on their things. And my wife loves Facebook. I can tell you that now. She's a, she's a Facebooker. She's an Instagrammer. She's my social media person. And, um, they put like the best things in there. You know, I was looking, a picture had come through and I was looking like, that person doesn't really look like that. <laughs> I'm like, it's like we want to perceive ourselves the best we can because why? We want to feel good what others have to say about us. The love is fake out in the world. We could see it in the world. We could see it from our politicians. 
Like me, like me, like me, vote me in, and then forget you guys. It's all fake. I want, I want something out of you. This is what I want. God is telling us we should not be like that. We should love people genuinely. We should love, when you say you are going to do something for somebody, as a believer, you better go out and do it. Right? Be hospitable. God is telling us, do not be like the world. The world's love is full of hypocrisy. It's full of themselves. And we do not want to love the way the world loves. And he says in verse 9, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. God is telling us we should love the things that God loves. We should hate the things that God hates. What does God hate? God hates sin. He doesn't hate you. He hates the sins that we commit. Jesus died for those sins, even those white little white lie sins. Like this morning, Bethany called me out. We were out there, and uh, we were talking about food and stuff, and I said, oh, I, I hate Mexican food. And right away, it was a joke, but she was like, and you're teaching us from the pulpit? <laughs> Come on with it. God hates those things. Even though I meant it to be funny, that was a lie. I confess, Bethany, I'm sorry. God hates those little white lies that we tell. God hates your pridefulness. God hates when you don't trust him, when you don't rely on him and rely on your own self. He hates that. He wants you. It's like my relationship with my daughter. Like my daughter can do nothing wrong when she when she comes even though she messes up over and over and over and over again. It's like, it's just a father's heart, right? It's just a parent's heart. It's like, you just automatically just wipe it slate clean for then. You'll bring it up later when you need something. That's what I'm talking about. That's like fake love. But God says we should not be like that. He says, hate what I hate, hate what is evil. We look in our world today, man, it is a mess, guys. Wars and rumors of wars, it's happening. Famines, happening. Hurricanes, we got one down south right now. Tsunamis, more frequent in the islands. I hear about it because my relatives are out there. Everything that God has talked about that's going to come to pass is coming to pass. He says, hate what I hate. What does God hate? What about the abortions going on in this world that we sweep under the rug? Christian, what are you doing about it? I'm not saying go and protest and take your sign up. Are we praying that God's forgiveness and grace would continue cover the United States? Because it's God's taking his hand off this America. Even though we call ourselves, you know, the Christianity of, of the world, God has taken his hand off the United States. We see that. We see it in the media. They're pushing the agenda. Tolerance is all about tolerance. No matter if it's a sin, it's about tolerance. And God's going to judge everything. 
We talk, we, when you read in the Old Testament, you read about all the, when uh, Israel came into the land of Canaan, when God was, God said, go in and take this land. I'm going to give it to you. The reason why God wa- wanted Israel to wipe those um, out, like the Ammonites, all those guys, he wanted to wipe them out. These guys were sacrificing kids. Sex was rampant. Everything that we see in the United States now happened in those times, and God judged those people. And what makes you think that we're exempt from it? God's going to judge us. Now, if you bow the knee to Jesus Christ, you have already been judged of your sins. Praise God for that. But God will judge this world. And I'm thinking of my family members. I have two cousins who are under the age of 40 have passed away. Just this past week, past couple weeks, under the age of 40. And I, I, I didn't grow up around them. I don't know if they were saved. The Marine kids, the Marine young adults, under 25. I only hope that they knew Jesus Christ, that somebody shared the gospel with them, even when they were dying on their bed or even when they were, you know, in Afghanistan, they just looked up to the stars and and just confessed, you know, God, I believe in you. That's, you know, that's a hope. But God will judge. God is a loving God. God is also a holy and righteous God. He cannot love you and look at you and look at your sin that we commit and continuously love you. He's got to judge that. And if you're a believer this morning, he's already judged it. Our attitude is like, God, I want to love you so much more than this sin. So much more than this attitude. So much more than this pridefulness. So we should cling on to what is good and hate what is evil. In verse 10 it says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. So he's telling us we're in a relationship with one another, and he's telling us that we should serve one another, that we should genuinely love one another. And sometimes, even though we're a small church, sometimes people in the church really tick me off. (laughs) Hey, sometimes you're just like, what is wrong with you? God has worked this thing through you, and now you're back in the same thing. What is going on? But then you got to think about your own walk with God and how grace has come into your life and how he's allowed you to mess up, mess up, mess up. Surely, but surely you grow up as a child of God. I'm no longer eating baby food. You're eating adult food, hopefully, Right? So he's telling us that we should be kindly affectionate towards one another with brotherly love. In verse 11 it says, not lagging in diligence, fervent, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. He's telling us in the context of scriptures, he's telling us that we should serve God wholeheartedly. That we should fervently serve God in whatever capacity you're serving him in. Not being lazy in our duties to the Lord. If you're in the, I mean, 
whatever ministry you're in, that you should pursue it like you're getting paid a million dollars. How about if God says, you know what, you're going to get paid a million dollars, and all I want you to do is sing some worship songs and prepare the best way you can. You would do it like like you were getting paid a million dollars, right? And I thank God for Brother Mel when Talia had her pregnancy and she's with the baby and out. He is very diligent. When I read this scripture, I think of you, Mel. He's very diligent about picking the right songs, about practice time. You know, sometimes he annoys me because it's like he'll send songs and songs and like, man, but he encourages me because of his zeal for God. Doesn't he, Alex? And that encouragement is convicting. Because you know why? I'm lazy. I get lazy and stuff like that. It's like, I know that song. Just give me the, just give me the notes. You know, I'll show up Sunday morning before we do it. Spend 10 minutes. There's no zeal. There's no fervency. There's no, it's just like you're doing it and you're being lazy in your serving God. I know I'm speaking, I know I'm, I know I'm stepping on some toes this morning because I'm stepping on my own toes. Right? Even during the PowerPoint and all that, we thank God for those guys because they show up and they put the words together without them. We wouldn't look at the scripture up there. But we can always serve God better. Right? You know it. I know it. We can always increase our love to God in our service for him. In verse 12, it says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continue steadfastly in prayer. And that's what we as believers need to do. We always need to rejoice in hope because we know that hope is Jesus. Patient in our tribulation. We had to be patient when Bethany was in ICU because we didn't know what was happening. We didn't know what was going on. The doctors really didn't give Joseph. It was just like she needs to be on this machine in order for her to live. That's bottom line. There's nothing else you need to know. We were in limbo. We didn't know what was going on. That was a tribulation, not only for Joseph, but for our church. Because we prayed for her. We prayed for her. We fasted for her. And look what God has done. And he brought us great joy in our time of tribulation. Just seeing her this morning, God just put a smile on my face like, oh, gosh, you are so good, God. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for healing her. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Now, I did tell you that Eva created this. Guys, we need to be a church of, a church that prays. There's no other way about it. I'm not going to like like twist your arm. Y'all need to pray. The Holy Spirit, my prayer is the Holy Spirit puts that in us that we are fervently praying for one another. Even though we're a small church, we could do that and just reign kingdom with his prayers. Reign God's kingdom with his prayers. Verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. 
Bless those who persecute you. It's interesting that Paul is writing to the church. So within the church, there's probably people that are not getting along, that feels like they're being persecuted from other believers. There's a reason why there's there's a reason why people hop from church to church to church because they don't want to be hurt again, right? They don't want They just want to be somewhere where they're loved for who they are, where God's love just extends to them. Verse fifteen it says, "Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep." 16, it says, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Rejoice with those who rejoice. This talks about God is just telling us we need to do life together. And we, and we as a small church, we should do life together more than we, than we're, what we're doing already. Even though we see each other on Sundays and Wednesday, how about during the week inviting somebody over to have dinner with you? You know, a couple in the church. Or meeting at a park like we did a few months ago. That's doing life together. That's being involved in one another. But when you're not here, when I'm not here, we can't do life together. So God is telling us, be involved in each other's life, not not so much to judge one another, but to be encouraged by one another. He says, "Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things and associate with the, but associate with the hum- humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion." Have you ever been around people who are just they know it all? Like we used to have the salesperson, and I kid you not. One, you know, somebody would start a conversation. Oh, yeah, I've been to, you know, such and such place. He would come in. Oh, yeah, I've been there, too. And he would have a more extravagant story than the person telling the story. And then he's become known throughout our whole, you know, place of work like, that's the guy. That guy again. Oh, watch this. And it got to be a joke where, hey, watch this. Come here, guys. We're going to start a conversation. Watch what happens. Sure enough, they start a conversation. He would come in. Oh, yeah, let me tell you, I, I used to be a rapper. And I'm like, and I used to manage these artists, like well-known artists. And everybody's just on the inside laughing at him. He's a know-it-all. God tells us, hey, you don't have to know it all. People are not attracted to those, those types of people, right? Be humble in your walks. Show humility. That's what I love about my father. You know, he's the oldest out of all his kids. There's like a whole bunch of them. <laughs> and uh, I'm the oldest out of, out of my siblings. And in the Samoan culture, the eldest of the family... And, and his dad is the eldest of his siblings. And so they have these like, uh, status. They have these titles. And so what he says goes, right? Within the family. It's like, 
Okay, let me get your opinion. Let me get your opinion. Or get your opinion. Okay, all your opinions don't matter. What I say, this is what goes. And he could have lived his life like that. Like, you know, I demand this from you. I demand this from you, this from you, this from you. With the culture background. But no, he's, he's the most humble person that I know. And that being a lifer in the Marines, serving 24 years in the Marines. Humblest guy I ever know. I w- we would, he would take us when we were younger. He would take us to the Marine barracks. And you got these officers, lieutenants, captains coming in and paying homage to him. Because he's so humble, he trained those guys up. You know? And just his humility just just shows in his life. And I'm so grateful for that because I got to see how God used that in his life and how I try to model my life about being humble in my walk. You know, there's a long, I've got a long ways to go. You know, you can look at yourself being a humble parent, being, you know, a humble person. God tells us to walk in humility. And he tells us in verse 17, we're almost done. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, you should underline this because this is is talking to you and I as believers. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So God is telling us as believers, we should never return evil for evil. And that is hard to do as people, right? Because the minute people hurt you, we just, we don't want to be associated with them. We don't want, we just, we're conniving and scheming away. Oh yeah, you got me that time, but now I'm coming up with this way to get you back. God is telling us in our attitudes and motives, get rid of those things. Get rid of those things is not of God. He's telling us if it is possible to live in peace with every single person, with our neighbors. And who is our neighbors? Look around you. We're neighbors. Your neighbor is your neighbor. The city of Lubbock, all the people here, they're your neighbors. You come in contact with somebody, they're your neighbors. If they don't believe God, live peaceably with them. We as Christians, we could be so strong-headed minded that we try to get our point across to somebody and the peace is gone, we just lost the person. Right? We lost the person because it wasn't done out of love. God is telling us to live peaceably as much as you can. Now, there's relationships and there's times in our lives when we can't be peaceful with people. What do we do then? As much as depends on you. Maybe you need to cut off that relationship. Maybe you need to cut them off for a while. I don't know. God, the Holy Spirit, will put that in your heart and lead you to do the right thing. Verse 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to the wrath. 
of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Ain't that crazy right now? We see in Afghanistan, you know, and, and I don't know about you guys, but this is my, my way of thinking. This is, I don't, and we think that we're the good guys. We're the good guys and we're going to go in there and liberate Afghanistan and free its people. Who armed that whole section of place? Who brought the guns, the tanks? Our politicians have to answer that to God. We've done evil that we don't even want to acknowledge, that we don't want to recognize, and that God is going to judge somebody for doing that. Who set up all this for the Taliban, the so-called bad guys, which, you know, that is bad what they're doing. For them to have all access to all the weaponry that we left there. And I'm like, we're the good guys, we're coming in. Are we really the good guys? Are we really the good guys? Did we not have an agenda as the United States for that region? Yes, we had an agenda. There's a reason why we were there 20 plus years. There's an agenda going on in the background. And guys, all this is supernatural stuff. The devil is orchestrating every single piece But you know what? Ultimately, God is orchestrating every single piece to happen. Because in our Revelation study, we read about this. God is putting pieces in order. The church, you and I, will be gone. Everything is in place. What's supposed to happen? Now, we we look at the news and we're like, do you don't think that there's... You know what? When Afghanistan, Iran, there's more Christians in those nations that are exploding, including China, than there is in the United States. The United States have, the United States Christian have gotten so comfortable that God says, you know what? I can't use you guys here because you've gotten to a place where you think you're okay. These brothers and sisters are being persecuted. Do you not think God has the agenda that the reason why we're lifting these people out, do you think there's plenty of them who are Christians who are coming here to evangelize the United States? Do you not think that? Do you not think that their prayers and their fervency for God is going to come here and evangelize these United States? And hearing their testimony and really experiencing the persecution that you and I know nothing about. And I read about these things. I read about our brothers and sisters in the underground church. And I'm like, man, what are we really doing? You know, (laughs) I'm trying to pay off my house. I'm trying to have some money in the bank. I'm trying to, is it for God's kingdom? 
Now, I'm not laying a guilt trip on you because I'm going to close it out with this. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, Paul's writing, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, your sacrifice. You are a living sacrifice here in these United States of America. Your life matters at where you're at. You're a husband leading your family. Lead them God's way, right? We are all living sacrifice. Our brothers and sisters who are in the underground church, they are living sacrifice. And sometimes I could relate to them. Sometimes I'm like, man, God, what have I really done for your kingdom? The Holy Spirit is working in you and I where you're at, at your place of work, your sphere of influence, in your family, in those that you come in contact with to impact God's kingdom. What we just read about is how we should look like as believers. Are we loving? Are we patient? Are we kind? Are we peaceably? Are we filled with the Holy Spirit? God, fill me with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When we're filled with that, we'll live out chapter 12. Amen? I'm going to pray and then Mel's going to close us out. Father, we thank you so much for Romans chapter 12. Thank you for the book of Romans, God. It is so rich and powerful. Thank you, God, that we come to you by faith alone, in Jesus alone, nothing else. There's nothing we can bring. All our filthy works, are our works, God, are like filthy rags, your scripture tells us. God, we thank you for the grace and mercy that you have upon us. Here in Lubbock, Texas, here in Texas, these United States, Father. We know the world is a mess, but God, you're in control. You're putting pieces. You're orchestrating everything for your coming kingdom. And we are so grateful that we could bow right now, say, Jesus, you are our Lord. And we will do, empowered by your Holy Spirit, the best that we can to serve you. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.